0: Our pastor's on vacation, praise God. He's in this place called Arizona. And there's this big, bright orange thing in the sky. The sky is, it's also, in case you didn't know, the sky is blue. It's not gray. It's actually blue. And um, they're enjoying some much-needed family time in the sunshine. And I think it's about 114. Uh, But they're near water, and so that's great. They're having a good time and uh, just being refreshed um, with each other and preparing for the busy summer ahead. So by default, um, I'm up here today to uh, share the word with you. We'll be in Second uh, Peter chapter 2. If you want to turn there or press a button to get there, however you do it. And just so you know, I wasn't trying to lead worship and teach and make it the Stephen show or something. It was because there was no one else to do it. So there you go. There's my disclaimer. <laughs> Let's pray one more time. God thank you so much for the privilege of being with you, uh, being together, uh, being in your word. And Lord, um, this is a, it's a complex chapter to teach and I don't pretend to understand it all or even know how to uh, communicate it um, and explain it in a way that everyone can understand. And so I pray that you would, because you're able to do that. and I pray Lord that you would speak into the hearts, um, speak into the minds, Um, of your people, Lord. And I also pray that if there's anyone, Lord, here or listening or watching um, that does not belong to you, today would be the day of their salvation. And for those of us who know you, God, please do a work in us. We don't want to just know you. We want to know you. We want to have fellowship with you. We want to have intimacy with you. We want to be those who hear the word of God and do it. Just like um, when they came to the house there and you were inside and they said, Hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. They want to talk to you. They want to see you. And you said, My brothers and my sisters are those. My mother and my brother, my sisters, I think I may be messing that up, are those who hear the word of God and do it. So, Lord, not, you know where each of us are. You know none of us are perfect. You know what you're working with. Um, I often joke about being the, not the sharpest tool in the shed. And sometimes I feel like I'm a tool without a shed. I'm just out in the backyard rusting <clears throat> in the rain. And yet you still, you still love me and you still want to use me and, and, and all your people. Lord, you have a plan for each of us. And so I pray that we'd be careful to hear what you have to say and, uh, and hold on to the end um, to hear what you have to say. And uh, we would not leave here the same way that we came in. And whether that means we came in with heavy burdens, I pray they'd be laid at your feet. If we came in fighting on the way here, I pray that that would be left at your feet. If we came in anxious and fearful, I pray that would be left at your feet. And I pray that your word would just wash over us as only it can. And may your spirit touch our hearts in a way that only you can. And may... Um, somebody hear that specific rhema word that's just for them, whether or not I even know that I said it. I don't, even, I don't even want... Actually, I don't want to know that I said it. You speak and you accomplish your will through your word, through your spirit, and your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I keep thinking someone's standing next to me there. <laughs> Sorry, Beth. All right. right, uh, Second Peter chapter 2. If you are a note-taker or an outliner, I am, so... I think better when I can see an outline and not uh, lose my place. Um, If I was to make a title for this, I would call it Warning, Judgment, and Hope. Warning, Judgment, and Hope. And the simple outline of this passage, at least for me, is uh, verses 1 through 3a. There's not really an a there, it's just half of the verse, uh, is the warning. 1 through 3a is the warning. And then 3b, I guess, through 10a is the impending judgment. 3a through 10a, the impending judgment. 10b through 16, the fleshy fruit. 10b through 16, the fleshy fruit. And then finally, 17 through 22. The false promise. 17 through 22, the false promise. So let us get into this. And I could almost read my own Bible, but not quite. So I have to use this. So forgive me. My Bible is here. I just can't see it anymore. Whether, either way, it just doesn't work. So <laughs> I've crossed over to the other side. Let's read it together. Verses uh, 1 through 3a. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. So Peter's giving a warning here. Remember well you might not remember, but um, I was actually started teaching through the, the book first Peter a couple of years ago, and the last time I taught second Peter chapter one was like two thousand nineteen. So um, you probably don't remember, but the last verse of chapter one says but know this first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will but men moved by the holy spirit spoke from god that's important to be reminded of that as we look at this warning here and this coming judgment it's a and I, I just want to encourage you to hold on if you can until the end, because it's going to seem really harsh and dark and gloomy and brutal. But the last word of the of the uh, title was hope, right? So there is hope. So just hang in there with me. Don't don't give up or fall asleep too fast. We'll at least wait for a little while. Okay. So he's talking about he's warning us about what he says. Look, false prophets arose among the people, just as there also will be false teachers among you, among you. That's a scary thought, right? Because he's talking to us, believers. Now, I want to just define what he means by a false teacher so that we don't misunderstand that. I've even misunderstood it myself, so I just want to be clear. Keep in mind that a false teacher is not a person who teaches false doctrine out of ignorance, in Acts eighteen twenty four through twenty eight, Apollos taught mistakenly the message and baptism of John, but he was not a false teacher. Um, many of the great leaders of the church in centuries past have held interpretations or minor or of minor matters that may that we may not believe are biblical. Still, we cannot call them false teachers. False teachers. Now, tune in are professed believers who know the truth but who deliberately teach lies in the hope of promoting themselves and getting financial gain from their followers. It's important to note that. They're able to live in sin, to please themselves, but they use deceptive means and they twist the word of God to suit their fancies. And that's Mr. Wearsby's um, explanation of that. I need to back up a little bit. I can't see you guys back there. All right. Does that make sense? A false teacher is someone who knows what they are doing. Amen? Even if they're deceived by that, they still know what they are doing, and they know what they are doing is wrong. And it says, he says uh, that they're among us here in the church, they're secretly introducing. And remember that last two verses from First Peter, Second Peter, chapter one, uh, verses twenty and twenty-one. I'm sorry, I don't have it up there for Marcus, to, so you guys could see it. But uh, it says there's no, there's no private interpretation. There's no secret to it, right? Everything in the Old Testament was revealed in the New Testament, right? That we need to know until we see Him face to face. So, beware of that. If something, some new thing is secret, it's not true. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, right? He warns us of these things. He lets us know. Now, whether or not we listen, that's up to us, right? Their destructive heresies end up denying the Master, Jesus, and we've I'm sure we've all we've all got different backgrounds, we've all grown up in different places. Be careful. We've got to be careful. Either Jesus is God in the flesh, or this whole thing is a sham. Either he came from heaven, sent by the Father, to die on the cross, to rise from the dead three days later, and to return to the Father, leaving the gift of the Holy Spirit for believers to come upon us and to empower us to be his witnesses. Either that whole thing is true, either he's the same God from Genesis 1 to Revelation at the end. Not chapter 23 either. If you read Revelation, there's no chapter 23. I thought it'd be a little bit funnier. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Courtesy laugh. It says, they deny the master who paid for the sins of man. And it says... And this is what's, many will follow them. In the Gospels it says, broad is the way to destruction. Narrow is the path to life. Few be there that find it. It can be a lonely, lonely place sometimes, that narrow path. Because everything out here in in the broad area is saying, deny Christ. Do what's best for you. You be the best you, you can. Follow your heart, you know, kind of a thing. Many will follow them. Christian, do not follow them. Non-believer, come to Jesus now. Don't wait. Sensuality. Man, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Back in my time, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Some of you know me. There's lots of new people here. Maybe you don't know me. But my life in the past, I was a drug addict. I was in and out of jail, in and out of prison. I cooked meth. I sold meth. I devoured meth. (laughs) Meth was my God. That was the God that I served. And the Bible says that I was a sorcerer practicing witchcraft. I loved what I did. I was enraptured by it. But October 8th, 1998, on the way to prison, looking at 25 years, I cried out to God because he brought me to the end of my life, the end of myself, and no more roads, no more bridges, no more nothing, there was no more, nowhere else to go but to him. I just knew that I did not want to go to prison for the rest of my life and be alone. Because I had a grandmother who prayed for me for 27 years and told me that God had a plan for my life, and one day I would grow up to be like Stephen in the Bible. I didn't know what that really meant. (laughs) I was like, cool, Grandma. Love you, Grandma. Thank you for praying for me. God has a plan. Amen? The the way of truth maligned. Now I'm reading out of the New American Standard um, so you might have a different uh, translation there. But let me define that word for you. To drop evil or profane words. To speak lightly or amiss of sacred things. To speak impiously or irreverently of God. To Blaspheme! It's not a light word. It's a very, very heavy word. That's what these false teachers are essentially doing. Now, Second Corinthians two seventeen, Paul speaking here, he says, "For we are not like many peddling the word of God, excuse me, but as from sincerity, but as from God." We speak in Christ in the sight of God. 1 Thessalonians two five, he says, We never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness, he says. Man, what a great safe place to be. No flattering speech, no pretext for For greed, sincerity of heart, not peddling the word of God. Amen? False words. Let's talk about what that means. It means counterfeit words. Or manufactured. Because I was a meth manufacturer, I understand that very well. Manufactured, fabricated words. The Greek word is plastos, where we get our word our English word plastic. These false teachers depart from the spirit given words of the Bible. First Corinthians two, nine through sixteen. I'm sorry I don't have that up there either. And they manufacture their own words to fit their own doctrines. They take familiar Bible words and they manufacture new meanings for them. They use our vocabulary but empty, Wiersbe says this, they use our vocabulary, but empty these words of spiritual meaning. It's not what a teacher says, but what he or she means that counts. You ever found yourself in a conversation saying Christianese words, talking to someone and they're saying the same words, but they have a different meaning. You ever catch on to that before anybody? A couple of us, yeah. I run into it quite a bit. Romans 16 18 says, talking about these people who are doing this, for such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of our of their own appetites. By their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Second Peter one sixteen says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales, and we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses, and I love this, of his majesty. They had seen him, they had known him, they had handled him, they had been with him. It was the real deal. Amen? And when you encounter Jesus Christ like these guys did, like some of us have, a lot of us hopefully, you're never the same. And you can't but speak the name of Jesus Christ. You cannot keep it to yourself. Now we realize that the weight of the word, the scripture tells us don't desire to be a teacher. There's a greater judgment. We have to rightly divide the word of God. And I take comfort in knowing that little passage there that I read in Acts when uh, when Apollos uh, was teaching wrong, not on purpose, but he was teaching wrong. And then we know that um, Priscilla and Aquila came along and taught him the word of God more accurately. Praise God there's people in God's church that can come alongside and say, man, great, great try. <laughs> you just missed it a little bit, you know. Pretend you're a plane. You've heard this a million times, but you're flying a course, right? If the plane gets off course even a degree, when it goes to land, it could land in the ocean or land in someone's house or whatever. When It needs to be on course. We need to stay on course. God's given us the word. He's given us the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us. He told the disciples when he was getting ready to die, and they didn't understand it. They were sad. They were sorrowful. They were grieving. He's like, I know that you feel this way, but listen, it's good that I go. Because if I go, the Father will send the helper, the comforter, the spirit of truth. He will teach you all things about me, not me, but him, (laughs) and remind you of everything I said to you. What a great comfort, guys, gals, kids. He'll teach us all things. The Holy Spirit will teach us all things about Jesus and remind us of everything he said. And he's even given us a tool to keep that really, really simple. Amen? We go through the Word. Every chance we get, we spend time with God. Not in a religious way, at least not on purpose. I'm sure we've all found ourselves in that struggle of trying to discipline ourselves to read the Word. But it's so important that we read the word, that we talk to the Lord. You know, when you're doing the the year, the Bible in the year thing, I'm doing this year. I'm doing a different one. I'm doing a chronological Bible. I've never done that before. So I'm reading through the Bible chronologically. Kind of cool and kind of weird when you've been reading for 20 years a certain way all the way through it. But man, it's just rediscovering the treasure that seems like it's hidden, but it's not. It's right it's right there. It's not some secret interpretation. It's not private. It's right there. The God of the universe is declaring from heaven through the stars, through the planets, through nature, through his word, through his spirit, through believers, that he is God and that he loves you. Amen. A little more exciting than I would hope for. Just kidding. Now, um, let's see here. Did I finish that? Okay. Yeah. All right. So what do we talk about here? false teachers who are among you. They're going to come with secret things and try to pass things over and try to get into your pocket for their own greed, for their own selfish desires. They know what they're doing. It's not a mistake. Be aware of that. It's not a mistake. They know what they're doing is wrong. Okay. Verse 3b through 10a the impending judgment. Their judgment from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, And if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, lost my place there, then having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter. I'm going to read that second part again. Having made them, Sodom and Gomorrah, an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter. And if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard, that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment and especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority daring self-willed am I into verse 11 yet or what verse am I I gotta be careful here I don't jump the gun we're gonna stop right there we'll come into that in a minute okay sorry Okay, so he says, judgment and destruction for the ungodly. He says, vengeance is mine in Deuteronomy thirty-two thirty-five. Vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time, their foot will slip, for the day of their calamity is near, and the impending things are hastening upon them. God didn't spare the angels when they sinned. He cast them into hell, pits of darkness reserved for judgment. He didn't spare the ancient world of the ungodly. He condemned Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction and ashes. These were examples to all who would live ungodly lives in the future. A huge warning, a, a, a picture of the judgment to come for those who would live in denial of Christ. Says these false teachers will be destroyed. Peter cites three Old Testament examples to prove it. The angels that sinned are now imprisoned in Tartarus, which is the meaning of the word translated hell, the world before the flood, and the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. In each of these cases, the persons involved, listen, had a form of religion but not the true faith that empowers the life. They had a form, I'm quoting Weir'sby here, they had a form of religion, but not the true faith that empowers the life. Before Christ comes back, there will be a great deal of religion in the world, but it will not be true faith in Christ. Peter also points out, now this is wonderful, here's, Some hope. We're going to tuck this away for later, so don't get too excited here. Get excited, but hold on to it. (laughs) Peter points out that God is able to do what? To preserve and deliver his true saints as he did with Noah and his family and Lot. Now, this might be some awesome thing to hear. You might not know this, or you probably do know this if you're a Bible student. Uh, Noah... In case you didn't know or need to be reminded of, Peter's the great reminder of what we already know, that he, that Lot, or I'm sorry, that Noah is a symbol of the believing Jews who will be preserved through the tribulation. And Lot stands for the church saints who will be caught away before the destruction begins. praise God for that. These false teachers may seem to be successful and protected, but one of these days, God will destroy them. We see through the Proverbs and through the Psalms, man, you see the wicked prospering, it seems. You see evil just magnifying itself like there's no end, right? Turn on the news for five minutes and you'll see evils rampant everywhere. Go to your school board meeting and you'll find there's evil, rampant, everywhere. Fill in the blank. It's just on every aspect of everything that we know in life. It's all compounding all at once. And because we have this information technology age where we can see and hear everything from anywhere in the world all at the same time, bad news makes great headlines. When's the last time you saw Jesus Christ comes to America? Souls are being saved. There's revival breaking out. This little tiny church in Olney Man, they just love Jesus. Their, their church looks like an old school, but man, they love Jesus there. You don't, you don't hear that on the news. Those things don't sell in today's world. Now, if you haven't seen the movie, The Jesus Music, oh man, I encourage you to go and see that, or can't go see it now, but you can rent it. The Jesus Music movie. It started back with, with what, we, what we're singing today, this style of music, contemporary Christian music, um, back in the 70s there. And um, back in those days when the Jesus people came on the scene and things were going crazy down in Costa Mesa and hippies were coming, I mean, coming off the beaches, coming out of drugs, I mean, just tore up from the floor up, coming in broken, beat down, and hearing there was a God who loved them that had sent his son to die on the cross. They were just coming in in wave, falling down. What must I do to be saved kind of a thing? I was talking to a brother uh, yesterday, I think it was, who shared a story with me of a guy um, in in the community here that he'd been uh, ministering to for years, and just a great guy and have a great relationship. And man, one of those Jesus moments where they walk in and say, like they said in Acts, they're sirs, what must I do to be saved? (laughs) What a blessing from the Lord. Amen. Now back in those days, in the 70s there, when this was happening, Time Magazine has the cover of the Jesus movement, the Jesus music. What is happening in Costa Mesa? You got to watch it. It's so great, but it's also so sad because you don't see that now. You see in here of another war, of another famine, of an, you know the, what does make the papers though is a fallen preacher, a fallen pastor, a fallen worship leader. That's what they put everywhere, and once it makes the headline that's it. People made their decision. We don't even know if it's, we don't know what's true anymore, right? Except for Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father, but by him. Amen. And we have the Holy spirit inside of us, the spirit of truth to know the counterfeit. Amen. Now we'll come back to, uh, I call it lot and us. We'll come back to that. Now, um, some of your versions may, uh, have a different word there for the word temptation, but to give you the definition of it, um, it's a Greek word, obviously. It's written in Greek. And it's parisimos, however you say that. And it means test or trial. So temptation can be test or trial. First, I don't have this verse up there, but um, 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 13, I will do my best not to butcher it, says that there's no temptation that has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who with the temptation will provide you the way of escape and give you the grace to endure it. I think that's, was that, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> the mind goes, man, when you get older. Um, so he, you know, James Aiken from Ocean Beach over there, he taught this years ago. He gave this great illustration of driving down the freeway, And, you know, when you want to get off the freeway, there's an exit sign, right? So when you're driving down the freeway and the sign says freeway ends in 1,000 feet, you should probably get off the freeway, (laughs) right? That's the exit, kind of like being uh, facing temptation or test or trial. The exit is right there. Get off the exit. If you pass that one, our God's so good. Next one, you know, a few, a few, half a mile later. Exit. Exit. Get off. You're going to die. Get off the freeway. Please, for the love of God, get off the freeway. Exit. 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 He provides the way. Whether or not we want to hear what he has to say. Amen? Christian, hear what he has to say. When he gives you the exit, take it. I'm speaking to myself too. Whatever I'm telling you, I'm telling to myself. I don't stand before you as a guy who hears the voice of God and says, take the exit. I go, okay, Lord, that sounds great. Whew. No, I'm a stubborn, strong-willed, fleshy person like the rest of us. Amen? But God still loves me. He still loves you. And he still gives us that opportunity every time to make the right choice, to choose Jesus above all else. Amen? Okay. Okay the fleshy fruit, uh, verses 10b through 16. Especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. Daring, self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct, to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will, in the destruction of those creatures, also be destroyed. Suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong, they count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you. Having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he received a rebuke for his own transgression, for a mute Donkey, speaking with the voice of a man, restrained the madness of the prophet. Oh, daring, audaciously bold, arrogant, prideful. Against any and all authority in the home, in government, in church leadership, fill in the blank even though it's all ordained by God. Exodus 22:28 You shall not curse God nor curse a ruler of your people. Yeah, I know this is hard to hear. Trust me. I I don't pretend for 1 second to have this down by any means. Okay? I am I'm right there with 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 a lot of you struggling through this. So Uh, Jude 8 through 10 says, Yet, in the same way these men, also by dreaming, they defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed the devil and argued about the body of Moses, he did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord Rebuke you. I love when I remember that passage. The Lord rebuke you. Stephen, the Lord rebuke you. I tell myself that too when I, when I find myself way over here and I should be over here. The Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus, you know. <laughs> but these men revile the things which they do not understand and the things which they know by instinct. Like unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. Hang in there with me. I know this is so like doom and gloom and dark and brutal, but it's God's word. Amen? So it's good. Like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, reviling without knowledge, resulting in total destruction. Now that word we saw earlier, malign, and this word reviling is the same Greek word. Again, it means to drop evil or profane words, to speak lightly or amiss of sacred things, to speak impiously or irreverently of God, to blaspheme, willful, reveling. Now, this is not reviling. This is reveling pleasure. This is also a Greek word. <laughs> and it means, and I can't, that one I, there's no way I could pronounce that one, Sorry. To live sensually by gratifying the senses with sexual immorality. To live sensually, to live intemperately, lust, sensual living. Wrong doctrine and wrong living go together. In the words of Mr. Wearsby here. False teachers... Live in luxury and beguile. It means to catch with bait. Unstable people who are enticed into their teachings. It's a tra- it's tragic the way the name of Christ has been disgraced by religious leaders. This is so hard to read. Who live in sin while attempting to help others find the Lord enticing, luring, seducing, unstable souls, hearts trained in greed, forsaking or accursed children, forsaking the right way. They've gone astray, having followed after the way of Balaam. Verse 3 points out that false teachers use counterfeit words to exploit the people. Verse 18 says they use great swelling words. Unfortunately, there are many unstable people who delight in following, here's Wiersbe's version of this, religious windbags, <laughs> not realizing that these teachers are picking their pockets while they poison their lives. Peter cites Balaam as an example From Numbers 22 through 25, we won't turn there, but you know the story. He was a prophet who used his gifts to make money and lead Israel into sin. So what's God do? God uses a donkey to get his attention and do what? Rebuke him. He won't listen to the Lord, so he sends a donkey. When we are determined to do our own will above God's will, he will go to the extreme to get our attention to. If God puts a donkey in your path. Listen. If I'm the donkey today. And God has put me here to tell you. Please. I, as Paul would say. I beseech you. Please do what he says. Don't compromise. Don't go the way of Balaam. Don't deny Christ at any cost. Listen to his voice and do what he says. And you might say, man, but it's so hard. Oh, yeah, it's hard. Doing the right thing is always hard. Living for our own pleasure, that's easy. As soon as we come out of the womb, we're ready to do that. I know that by experience now from my little daughter. Me, 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 I used to hear Jason say, it. I heard Chris say, it. "You ever wonder if your kids are sinners? Just if you if people are sinners, born sinners? Just watch your kids." <laughs> yes, she's beautiful. She's a gift from God. I love her. I can't even explain how much I love her. It doesn't even make sense. I, now that I'm a parent, I get it. It's a picture. She's a picture of me, and God loves me. <laughs> That's huge. Take that and tuck that away and hold on to it until you see him face to face God knows you and he still loves you all right the ending here here we go the last few verses 17 through 22 here we go to the false promise these are springs without water mist driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has reserved speaking out arrogant words of vanity they entice by fleshly desires, By sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error. Promising them freedom, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he's enslaved. For after... Sorry, my beard's getting in the way here. Can't seem to control it. (laughs) And I used a straightener. It still didn't work. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the word of the world, sorry, by the knowledge, get that the knowledge, not the relationship, but the knowledge of the Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. It would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness then having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to his vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. Springs without water are useless to people who are thirsty They're driven by storms, and they have reservations made in black darkness. Now, I don't know what that's like in the reality of it, but I can tell you what the inside of a prison cell in solitary confinement looks like. When you go into those cells, like if you ever toured Alcatraz when you're down there, and they take you into the solitary cell you can see scratchings and marks into the concrete rebar-filled walls. And you wonder, if they're in solitary confinement, they don't have any, anything in there at all, how can they carve into concrete? Because when you're alone, and when you're in the dark, you're separated from humanity. This is talking about being separated from God. We're not even there yet. We're just talking about being separated from humanity. And you go crazy. Crazy. Because inside that dark, black cold or hot, depending on the time of year, miserable place that you're in by your own doing, most of the time, all your senses are magnified smell, sound, taste, feeling, fill in the blank. you can smell the the water in the mop bucket as the the uh, the trustee goes by cleaning the floors outside the cells. You can smell the food cooking all the way from the kitchen because it blows through the air. You can hear conversations in the distance of people living their lives. And on and on it goes. Yet you are confined to black darkness. And you begin to claw into the concrete. That is a picture of what's reserved for those who deny Christ. God forbid any one of us in this room online or listening later would find themselves in that place. Their normal speech is arrogant, vain, enticing, and sensual. Jude 12 says, these are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feast when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted. Wild waves, verse 13 of Jude, of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. These false teachers go after the Christians who are not yet mature in their faith in Jesus Christ. Luke 11, 24 through 26. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. Not finding any, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. Stay with me. Luke 17, one through 2. He said to his disciples, It's inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. They promised freedom. Yet they were enslaved in sin themselves. I want to read a quote from Wiersbe here. I also recognize that In this passage, there are different views. Were they saved? Were they not saved? Did they lose their salvation? Did they walk away from their salvation? However you want to fill in the blank. I'm going to share my perspective, what I believe it's saying, the best I can. And Wearsby actually does a way better job than I can say it. If you disagree, that's okay. But listen to the end to hear why it qualifies and why I believe it, it is. They promise their followers satisfaction, but do not quench their spiritual thirst. How, how useless are wells without water. These teachers, with their great swelling words, religious propaganda, give the appearance of being truthful and helpful, but they turn out to be clouds driven by the wind. Beautiful, but of no help to thirsty people. Millions today are following these false religions that promise to help, but can give none. false teachers promise liberty, but they lead people into bondage. Peter uses a bit of sarcasm here. How can people who are slaves of sin themselves ever set anyone else free? In verse 12, he called these teachers, in his translation, brute beasts, or like animals. And now he clearly names them, listen, as pigs and dogs that's super important. Please keep in mind that Peter in verse 20 through 21 is not talking about somebody losing their salvation. For that would contradict what he wrote in 1 Peter 3 through 5. In 1 Peter 2:25, Peter compares Christians to sheep, not to dogs or pigs. The Christian has received the new nature, 2 Peter 1:4. And has been set free from the corruption of the world. You do not have to worry about a sheep eating vomit or wallowing in filth, because a sheep is a clean animal. Peter is describing false Christians, people who merely wash off the pollutants on the outside, this is religious reformation, but never receive the new nature on the inside. You can wash a dog or a pig but the animal does not change its basic nature. These people knew the way of righteousness and had a knowledge of Christ's work but they did not personally receive him into their hearts. Their outward pollution was washed away but the inward corruption was still there. These professors but not possessors seemed to experience salvation but in due time they drifted back to the life that suited their nature. Dogs go back to vomit. Pigs go back to the mire. You can see that in Proverbs 26, 11. We live in a day of false teachers. We may detect them by their exaltation of themselves instead of Christ. Their counterfeit talk and their great swelling words their emphasis on making money, the great claims that they can change people, and their hidden lives of lust and sin. For the time being, we cannot stop them except by teaching the Word sincerely. But one day, God will expose them and judge them. To wrap this up, if you're here today or watching online and the Holy Spirit of God is convicting you of sin and or even being a false teacher. Repent, which means change your mind, change your direction right now. Don't wait. Turn from your sin to the living Christ and let his blood wash over you and cleanse you from your sin. Today is the day of salvation. Yesterday, it's gone. Tomorrow may never come. Make your choice today while you still have it. Here's what Romans ten, nine through thirteen says. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. The scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And verse 17 says, amen. And verse 17 says, so faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of Christ. Secondly, Christian, do you find yourself currently living like righteous Lot? Do you find yourself in a Sodom and Gomorrah situation where your righteous soul is being tormented by what you see and what you hear by your own doing? Have the lines that you swore you'd never cross again have they become too blurry to see? If that is you, if that is you, come out from among them and do not wait for tomorrow. I can tell you, my life was Sodom and Gomorrah. My life was like the world before the flood, only evil continually continually but I wasn't a righteous man. I did not have the Spirit of God living in me. He is saying to you, Christian, if that is you now, come out from among them. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9-10 says, They themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you, how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, that is, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Yeah. Hallelujah. Christian, have you fallen prey to false teaching and you're afraid that there is no escape? Second Peter 2 Peter 2.9 in our text, which I kind of grazed over. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. Amen. When we First uh, Thessalonians four seventeen through eighteen, when we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. First Thessalonians five nine, Christian, God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Fourthly, Christian, God knows who you are, where you are, what you are. And you are his most treasured possession. You're 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 his most treasured possession. possession. You guys are his most treasured possession. And even you over here are his most treasured possession. Christian, in your time of temptation, in your time of trial, in your time of testing, he alone will rescue you. Number six. These just keep going, don't they? Christian, are you just enjoying Jesus and living your life to please him? Then continue to rejoice in his goodness his grace, and his mercy. Amen? Jude 17 through 23 says, But you, beloved, you ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God. 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 Waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted By the flesh. And finally, and the worship team can come up. You guys are like Finally. Beloved family of Christ, I want to leave you with this. The last two verses in Jude. Wonderful, wonderful verses. Now listen to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now, and forever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. We are so just in awe of who you are. None of us are worthy in ourselves of of you. But Lord, we want to take what we've learned. We want it to go in our ears, in our mind, and into our hearts and come out in our lives that is our hope we're going to play one last song here We do things a little different today and I want to speak to you and say normally we go around the room and pray now you don't have to do this by any means but if you need Jesus if you need to repent and receive Jesus I want you to come up during the song if you're in Sodom and Gomorrah I want you to repent and come out from among them, and come up. If you've been swayed by false teaching, I want you to repent and come up. And if you're rejoicing that your sins are forgiven and heaven is secured, I want you to come up. You don't have to do this. This is not a show. This isn't to Oh, thank you. This is for you and God. We're just going to worship Him. We're going to sing the Waymaker, and we're going to worship Him. And if you want to worship him with us in that way, I'll tell you what, there's many times that I heard God's voice or sensed his tugging, the Holy Spirit, however you want to say it, to take that step of faith, to come up. And everything in you says, oh, I'm not going up there. Because then they'll know. They'll know I don't have it together. Well, guess what? Look to your left and to your right and front and behind and we don't have it together. But it's been those moments, not every time, I'm saying there's been moments in my life where I took that step of faith to just go up and allow God to have His way in me. You never know what God will do. And you can stay in your seat, you don't have to come up by any means. But if that is you and any of those things are happening, you need Jesus, you need to come out from among them, you need to come out from being swayed by false teaching, you just need to rejoice in the goodness of God. No one's going to know any of those things was happening, right? Only you and God. So no one knows why you're up here. <laughs> you're safe. We don't need to know, right? You come up when we're worshiping God and you worship God and you let him do those things in you. Do not hold back from him. Let him have you completely. And he will do what he says he'll do. And we also have prayer people that will be available And if they sense by the Spirit that you need prayer, they might just come up and put their hand on you. So don't freak out. Don't miss what God wants to do in this moment if that's you. Amen?